been me up, Scotty. I'm using a mic this time because I think the sound quality will be better. Right, it probably will be, and I'm a little bit annoyed that your sound will be better than mine. Well, it was the other way around last time out. Do you reckon? I thought your sound was much better than my sound. I had sound envy after the last one. You're looking very trim after hiking in the Canaries. I am Um, looking very trim, but I'll I'll tell you the real reason for why I am looking so trim. You can't get to the shops in quarantine. No. Also, you know, don't forget I've taken charge of one and a half cases of Yap's finest since I've been back, so that's not helped. But what has helped considerably, I don't know what the neighbours think of this, is walking up and down stairs. Really? So you're like sort of Rudolf Hess in his garden, um, pacing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pacing around. I've got a bike set up on a turbo trainer here, which has been a lifesaver. Um, yeah, but then you really do get the sense that you're going absolutely nowhere, don't you? You do, bike. but the, the key is listening to podcasts. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Fortunately, I've been... Always, I presume. Uh, funny enough, I did re-listen to our overview of the 2018 vintage this very morning to right. um, just refresh my memory about what we thought about that. And so today, I thought we could have a crack at doing what we did just over a year ago and having a kind of overview of the 2019 vintage. Adventures in Wine. I'm David Chandler and he is Jason Yap. ratings are funny things because they're they're pretty subjective and the collective call isn't always right and in france and we're really talking about france today that's what we want to mainly focus on um bordeaux is the largest fine wine region and so that tends to set the bar and that's mm. annoying really if you're uh, really drilling into it because you can have vintages that aren't great in Bordeaux with its very Atlantic influence mm-hmm. that are really good elsewhere. Well, of course. And so um, you've got this big dominant region, very wealthy region, that tends to set the market. But skewing right. the results for everyone else. Happily, 2019 is a pretty decent vintage throughout France. And I'll, I'll maybe do a little quick regional roundup before we get into tasting things. But um, it was good in Bordeaux. This is climate change. We're getting these warm vintages, Mm -hmm. shortening the ripening season. It's bumping up the degrees of alcohol Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, affecting what the finished wines are like. And we're going to have to use that change and and work out ways of counteracting some of those effects. Bordeaux had a decent vintage in um, 2019. It had a cool spring and an early summer and it was pretty hot and dry. And there was some water stress. This is when vines shut down and the the, it just arrests the maturation process and um, meant for a slightly longer ripening season. And the Bordelais have a problem because they, they, 
exaggerate. They, they suffer from hyperbole. And so you, you get three vintages of the decade every decade. And the problem was they bigged up 2018, which was, which was a pretty decent vintage. All right. And then they did the same again for 2019. And it's, it's real wolf wolf stuff. But everyone, everyone, including me, all the pundits thought that the 2019 on Primer campaign, which happened this spring, Right. was dead in the water because no one could get to Bordeaux to taste the wines because normally okay. there's a big circus. It's quite a high-end ticket to be on, but mm -hmm. you know, people get ferried around all the top chateaus in, in fleets of minivans, and um, you know that forms the overview of the vintage. Well, well that was never going to happen this year. Right. But weirdly, a handful of experts, you know, predominantly journalists and a few merchants, mainly British, some who are Bordeaux-based, some are London-based, managed to get enough samples from enough chateau to give a pretty detailed and convincing overview of the harvest. So, so we had that frame of reference, which was critical. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I, again, I thought was never going to happen because it so seldom does, was how they'd call the pricing. And, and it's a bit like people jittering around at the start of a race. They, they wait for someone to release and they're all looking over each other's shoulders. They're very sheep-like, the, um, uh, the, the Bordeaux chateau. And um, <laughs> they're all fans of this podcast, no doubt. The, the, the only way it was ever going to work was if they came out with some seriously attractive discounts. And they don't normally do that. I mean, it's a oh, yeah. thing. Anyway, they did. Yeah. They did. They, they, a whole raft of Chateau released at some 25 mm -hmm. to 30% below typical prices on a really top notch vintage. And I swore I wasn't going to dip a toe in, but I did. <laughs> put a foot in the pricing was so attractive but right. I, I bet you once some degree of normality returns and um the second tranches are released you, you won't see those generous discounts uh, normality is never going to return jason get used to the idea now but, but, but what's quite weird is that fine wine prices have been holding up quite well despite the chaos out there mm -hmm. and i think that's because people like tangible things it's like art it's like gold it's like diamonds you know, it's not a document with a value written on it. It's um, it's a thing. It's a specific thing. So Bordeaux, pretty decent vintage. Burgundy, I'm afraid to say, suffered in 2019. Not okay. quite severe, but they had a nasty, nasty frost on the 5th of April. Right. And that coupled with drought, sort of dryness, um, yeah. took its toll on the volume. 45 to 50% down in volume. Wow. Burgundy collectively. Yeah, yeah. The, the quality of the wines is going to be great. Some people think better. And weirdly, we touched on this in 2018, because the volumes are down in 2019. More of it is going to go into barrel, because typically growers produce, you know, quite a high percentage of their, their wine in tank. Right. And, you know, uh, another good chunk in barrel. And right. then they, they can blend between the two. And, but the barrels can't rest empty. You have to keep a barrel wet from once okay. you first start using it. If they sure. dry out, they're no good. You use yeah, it yeah. for pirate gotcha. films or something. Yeah. Um, but because this is such a short harvest, mm -hmm. more of it is going into barrel. So it will taste different. It'll be more wood marked than okay. other vintages. And the price? Early days yet. I can't really... Because, um, uh, you know, the, the, the top wines haven't been released. So, um, But pricing... You know, as I touched on in Bordeaux, anyone trying to hike prices at the moment is uh, deluded because wine's backing up. Because you think of growers we know well, and uh, uh, like 
the Fidetro family in the Loire or the Grio family in Crozamatage, they typically would sell, you know, half of their production to domestic restaurant trade. Mm -hmm. And that's, that hasn't happened this year. Oh. So people aren't in a position, there isn't the leverage to put prices up at the moment. Right. Um, there's another good vintage in the Loire Valley. There was a bit of spring frost in the Nantes and Anjou that, that again thinned the crop a bit. Um, Alsace, really good vintage. People talking up big things there. We're gonna we're gonna taste one throughout southern France. I mean, the problem in Provence and the Languedoc, you know, down there is, is the heat and the drought. But mm -hmm. they're historically used to it. There's a warm climate, Mediterranean influence wines anyway. So yeah, you know. Shut enough to pap, they're never really going to get caught out by a hot vintage because right. they're habituated to it anyway. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. So overall, volumes down on on the prolific 2018 vintage, which you know was was rare because it was good in terms of volume and quality, and those things do not always go hand in hand. But overall. I'm pretty optimistic about it. I mean, the, the, the Grand Vin haven't been released yet, so we're not testing right. those today. But I've got what I think is a pretty interesting lineup, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you've got the same five wines as I have. Well, wouldn't it be fun if we didn't? Um, well, it'd be weird if we didn't. Jason, uh, I just want to say one thing, though, because, you know, you've given me all this, these stats. Seeing you in your headset, can I say it, adds a air of authority to... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like, you know... Uh, uh, it's incredible. It's like just putting that headset on you. It's like suddenly you're so much more believable. Well, <laughs> that's, that's good to know. Um, let's cultivate the look. Kicking off is the Sancerre. Right which I think we should open without further ado. And do you know what? This is a wine that I don't sample often enough because it's, it's a classic. It's got its own following. It's well known. And, you know, journalists aren't particularly interested in those sort of household name wines. Well, we discussed this before, didn't we? We said it's like, you know, it's the, it's the wine you don't want to order, order in the restaurant because it seems like a safe bet somehow. Do you know what? As I get older... I, I don't mind safe bets. Um, uh, and let's see what we think. So quite a lot of journalists are saying that with these warmer growing seasons, we're seeing less freshness in the wines. But funny enough, reading a variety of commentators' notes in preparation for this podcast, um, freshness is a word that crops up time and again in Burgundy, in the Loire, in the Rhone. So 2018 was a vintage that arguably did lack a bit of freshness, but this made from pure Sauvignon Blanc. So it's André Vatins, Les Perrières, yeah. Sancerre, 2019. He makes a fair bit of it. He's got quite good vine holdings. Lovely minerality already. Yeah, and you've got that classic central vineyard Sauvignon Blanc nose, which is a bit of elderflower, mm -hmm. nettle, yeah. touch of gooseberry, and then... Lovely racy palette. That's got no, it's, Jason. It's very pleasing. It's going down very nicely at six o'clock in the evening. Can I tell you? That's got a citrus streak. Really good length. It's clean as a whistle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? I I don't drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, it 
Food-wise, it has some good matches. It's very good with asparagus, very good with goat's cheese. Yeah. I think that's... That's drinking mighty it. fine. It's that's lovely. It's pedigree, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, that wasn't bottled that long ago. I mean, that was, that was bottled this spring. That's straight out of the traps, isn't it? Very nice. The day is looking up. It's one of the nicest Sauvignon Blancs I've tasted in a long time. But he, they're consistently good, the state. But um, all the same, I think that... That's a good start for the 2019 vintage, isn't it? It's a good one, Jason. Less than 20 quid a bottle. All right. Our, our second white is something I'm not sure you've tasted before because it's, yeah, it's a relatively new addition to our list and it's from Leon Bayer and it's called La Cuvée. Well, so it's from. I've tasted a few of theirs, but not this one. Yeah, well, this is from Eggersheim, just south of Colmar. And unusually for Alsace, it's a blend. Okay. Not that sound. You might want to just give your glass a little rinse because the Sauvignon's got quite high acidity and it is pretty lively. And this is a different texture and flavor profile. So Alrighty. it's made from a blend of three grapes, all Alsace grapes, unsurprisingly. So Silvana, Pinot Blanc, and Muscat. And that's quite a traditional thing to do for your kind of house wine. And they call them Edelswickers, which means, oh, excuse my German pronunciation there, it means noble mixture. And Say it again. What is it? It's an Edelswicker. And that Edel, is... Edelswicker. Yeah, that is German for... Can I say no, there's someone who's not very far away from me is actually grimacing now? <laughs> probably. A uh, uh, terrible pronunciation. <laughs> uh, can we have it from Petra, how, how we should it, be pronouncing it. it? Let's have it from the horse's mouth. What is it? Edelsvicker. 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 Okay. Edelsvicker. Well, that, uh, is that better? Is that okay? Edelsvicker. Okay. So thank, thank God for that. Um, well, thank Petra for that. Um, yeah, means noble mixture. And this wine isn't designed to be particularly, you know, thought-provoking or to be over-analyzed it it really is a kind of house wine wine to just you know have a glass of and then mm. you can tell it smells sass on the nose you get that almost sort of lychee fruit i was going to say on the nose it's quite elusive though isn't it I think yeah well there. we've only only just pulled the cork that will yeah, definitely okay. open out in the glass i mean uh, that's something to, to come back to later but i you, think i'm you, getting more of my aftershave than i am of the bouquet at the moment oh you should have put aftershave on before tasting don't you? um uh, <laughs> Like, but Jason, I wanted to look fresh for you. Well, you do. Um, but uh, so you, you get that almost um, rose water is a good tell for Alsace wines. Okay, sort of that's, slight, that's a good way of describing that. Very, slight, very subtle, slight Turkish delight, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's quite subtle on those, but you get this lovely smooth palate with. It's it's a dry finish. I mean, uh, yeah. there's not much residual sugar here, but drink this absolutely happy on its own as an aperitif. But it works very well with spicy, mm. so obviously very good with Alsace cuisine, which is rich in you know, dairy product and smoked ham. Right. But um, uh, not one for the vegans, uh, that that cuisine. But um, <laughs> for mountainy men. But it's very good with Asiatic dishes Asiatic. that, that have just... a bit of chili and um i'm having sesame. a second go at this because i'm just i just need to get through the aftershave well that's the that's the advantage of doing it by zoom david i, I don't get distracted by um 
your... <laughs> is that sense. a big no-no for you then, Jason, when you go to a wine tasting and there's somebody there? Oh, I've seen people get chucked out of wine tasting. What? Because their aftershave is too strong? Yeah, well, or aftershave or for the ladies' um, scent. Yeah, it's a big no-no. People... Of course. Um, and, um, yeah, that is a faux pas. And I, I have seen people ask to leave. Um, which uh, is pretty, pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. It's a bit of a problem for some people in that they, they tend to look at the, the big, famous, expensive wines. Mm. And I think quite often it's, it's good to look at the other end of the spectrum and just kick around with some of the humbler, less grandiose wines and see how, how they're showing up. And I'd be very pleased with that. I mean, that's got lovely fruit. Tristan, I think it's very pleasing indeed. And I think the thing is, there's a lot to be said for a wine you feel that you can just pull out of the fridge at any time, as it were, and have a sip. Why not? Yeah, and just 12 degrees ABV. So um, it's not too sort of heady in alcohol. You can have a nice lunchtime glass of that with a superior salad. And still stay awake. Yeah, and still uh, do your watercolours in the afternoon, David. Um... (laughs) How are the light? How are the light levels in the Canaries? Uh, oh, light levels in the Canaries! Well, let me tell you, that was something else. I've heard tell that you you did some very um, good Instagram posts that people should be checking out. Oh well, actually, yeah, because I rediscovered my fear of heights while I was away, and so uh, it 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 makes for very entertaining reading. Well, I, I'm not really au fait with Insta, but I will. Um, Get my people to have a look yeah, at it for yes. me. See if you can, Jason. Make the effort. It's uh, it, it might be worth it. You'll have a laugh. Next up is a rosé. Um... This is not in our list, actually. It's from Malapere, but there's no rosé okay. that I know of in the Appellation. So it's bottles of paid dock. So from the Occitan country. It's pure Cabernet Franc. And... We just got a sample of this and really loved it. 2019 vintage again. Nice coral pink colour. The Garrigue is, is, is the wild country of yeah. herbs and berries growing on limestone. And um, Garriguette. So it's the little, I suppose it's the little wine of the Garrigue. Very up and coming area uh, around Malapere because you've got cooling Atlantic influences mm-hmm. as well as the warmer Mediterranean ones. Right. And, a, and they've got a pretty free hand with grape varieties and um it's a beautiful color jason this is good winemaker philippe yeah. Girard. it is a good color and for a kind of late summer rosé i thought this was worth having a look at so very i think that's a great bouquet of those crushed berries red currant bit of cranberry yeah and then what they that's sometimes have difficulty with in the, in the longer dock is getting enough acidity in these rosés. Well, they've got it there. There is acidity there. Mm. A, a nice level of it. It's got a good freshness. Yeah. That, it's working its way all over my tongue, not just in one place, but in every place. Yeah, well, it's a lovely bright red fruit, fresh acidity. I mean, it, that's the, the challenge for these warmer vintages is to get that freshness because you, you don't want these wines tasting too soupy, you know, mm. Mm. especially in a rosé. And again, I mean, it's been chucking it down today, but on a, on a summer terrace, you'd need no accompaniment for that. Maybe a few olives, but... It's the, a, um, the ABV, though. It's 13.5. So it's, it's, it's the same as the Sancerre, so... Yeah, you but know, you wouldn't know it, would you? Yeah, but 15, 20 years ago, that would have been a Chateauneuf de Pan. 
and and what I'm wondering is if in 15, 20 years time, these wines are coming in 15, 15 and a half degrees, you know, they're going to be like fortified wines. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. where'd you get your freshness then? Um, so, yeah, well, that's interesting because, you know, when we were in the Canaries, I sampled some local wine and of course the temperatures there are never below 25 all year long. You know, it's hot, 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 hot all the time. And I was thinking they're going to be like, everything's going to taste like port, you know, but they found a way. I don't know what they do. Maybe they've got, maybe they bury them in the, in the, in the valleys. I don't know what they do with their vineyards, but. Well, them. normally, if you're near the coast, that you, you get some cooling sea influences. Yeah, actually, and you get then, a lot of trade winds there. So, and then um, elevation, yeah, helps a lot. And yeah. I guess when and how you pick, uh, and um, there's a whole sea change there happening as to you know how people are planting vines and what they're doing with the leaf canopies, and generally efforts they can make to counteract the effects of heat so it's yeah. it's that is a work in progress no, and I, mean, I thought that was just quite a charming new discovery and um God, drinking very well it's, it's better doing this at cocktail hour than at lunchtime i'm, I'm glad we um, <laughs> made that executive decision uh now next up is a wine this divides opinion because of the bottle yeah it's the sample is, sound it, it's tasteless isn't it let's well, it's quite a good story. It, it comes from landlocked central France. This is from near the Allier Forest, and it's as close to the Rhone or Burgundy as it is to the Loire Valley, the Appalachian of saint Poussin. Mm -hmm. But it is on the seal tributary of the Cher, which is a tributary of the Loire, and by that tenuous link, it is attributed to the Loire Valley in terms of classification. Okay. And the label, it comes in this illuminated bottle and it's a bit of fun. I mean, it says on, on, on the bottle here, it's a, a van de soif. So it's a thirst quencher. Right. And um, it's a blend of Gamay and Pinot Noir. Okay. It was one of the first red 2019s that we shipped because it, it doesn't have a very long élevage. And it's called La Ficelle. And you'll see on the side um, of the bottle a, a knotted string. And yeah. that's because historically, back in the day, the, the patron of your local bar would dip a string into the jug or barrel of the wine mm -hmm. and thereby measure your consumption. And you'd be charged accordingly to where the kind of, like a dipstick. Uh, <laughs> and, the idea of that. And so that is a throwback. That should be really used. I think it's a brilliant idea. And um, they get a different cartoonist, French cartoonist, to illustrate the bottle. These are these are Charlie Hebdo uh, cartoons. Yeah, yeah, and and some of the people involved in that whole Paris massacre were former illustrators of this um, bottle. An unusual Gamay Pinot Noir blend. So. The two red grapes of Burgundy. I, th I think the thing about the thing about this wine is, Jason. You know, with the way that they've decorated the bottle, is that they're not even trying to be classy, are they? You know, like very often, you know, like wine labels are all about being classy, aren't they? Yeah, but think? I quite like it when people put their cards on the table. And funny enough, we, we often sell out of this. 
And they're now, they're now, probably, really, they're now probably in magnums, which is an interesting thing. I mean, cer- certainly, it, if you put that on the table, it's a conversation stopper, isn't it? If you just... No doubt about it. It's an opinion divider. It's, it's definitely a Marmite uh, bottling in that regard. But the wine itself... The wine is lovely. Get, get away. It's lovely, isn't it? You've got this delicate, smoky forest flute... Fruit? Flute? Forest flute. There's, there's <laughs> Bouquet, and then just those, those lovely summer berries, sort of Quite mellow. almost like summer pudding. And funny enough, I think my bottle would be better chilled a degree more because it's just lacking a little bit of a snap on the finish. But the the gentlest of tannins, I, I do like these uh, Loire reds that you can chill in summer, and then you know when it's blazingly hot, they yeah. work really well. And they're good outdoor drinking if you're having a picnic or a barbecue. You don't want anything too tannic or complicated. But I think this is quite versatile, though, Jason. I could see that you could then go on to the grilled sausages quite easily, you know, with this. I think you could. up in the glass, you know? Uh, yeah, I think exactly that. It's just a fun wine for drinking with family and friends. It's, it's got this string on the side of the bottle, and at the bottom of the string it says, Grand Soif, Patron une autre. So, um... What does that mean? That means big thirst. Oh, I see. All right. So it's just... Another bottle, please. <laughs> I tell you, you could get onto a second bottle, couldn't you? It's, um, it slips down deceptively easily. It's, it's not a wine you sip, I don't think. Should have primed our palates very nicely for this final red, which isn't a wine I have tasted recently. It's from a unique place. This is from the Cap Course, which is that little promontory at the top of Corsica. And it's made at Lurie, about 30 kilometers north of Bastia, okay. with amazing light levels. In terms of sort of stunning vineyard locations, uh, they don't get much better. So the Cap Course is a very special vine area, very low density population, hardly any winemakers, hardly any female winemakers, but this is made by one such, Lina Pieretti. Domaine Pieretti. Now, I've tasted their... Um, Muscat. A white and a rosé, no? A rosé and a Muscat. That's what they're famous for, is the, yeah. the, the great speciality of Muscat du Cap Corse, which is a vin du naturel. But this oh. is the blend of Grenache Noir and Nelucho, I think in pretty equal volumes. And she's a good winemaker, and there wouldn't have been any shortage of um, sunlight in Corsica in 2019, and also the light levels uh, at her vineyard are absolutely fantastic. You can see it's got a, a nice um, garnet robe. It's a beautiful colour. It is such a rich red. Corsica wines, when you smell them, do have an almost inimitable, untamed quality. Uh, and it's not Garrigue in Corsica, it's Mackie. No. I'm a sucker for that. Some people find it um, not clean enough. Uh, but it, Oh, that's so earthy. I love that kind of wild, untamed, bilberry and blackberry, briary fruit. And then on the palate, that's got, that's got a lovely, rich core of fruit. I mean, it's fabulous. It's, I tell you what, I'm tasting Loganberry. It's got these black pepper and spicy undertones. I mean, that would go very well with the uh, Corsican food. And of course, what they excel at is charcuterie and anything wild and grilled you know, game. Moving into autumn, but isn't it tasting amazingly evolved for, for a young wine? 
Um, what for, t- for a 2019? It's yeah, I kind of seen much uh, time, if any. You know, would you lay that down and like? Would it be sensational in five years' time, or what? How does that work? Well, that's a really good question. And I remember when I was a young wine merchant showing the 1990 vintage of Domaine de Travelon to two mm. of the best tasters in the UK, Hugh Johnson and Michael Broadman. And they said, my God, that's drinking superbly well for a young wine. And I said, is that a problem for you? And, and in terms of its longevity, I was, I was just yeah. interested in their take on that. Okay. And they said, no, 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 not a bit of it. Very often, great wines, when the moon's completely lying, drink well throughout their evolution. Okay. That's, that's not a given. I mean, we've plied our trade for years, specializing in Rhone wines, and a lot of them really do close up and have a very awkward adolescence, and you have to wait a long time for them to come around. And there's some, there's some vintages like 1986 in Bordeaux that were so tannic, people are wondering if they'll ever come around, you know? Um, yeah. Are they sleeping dragons that... Uh, but, but I think awkward adolescence, you, you can't really generalize it. Awkward adolescence is a thing. And I've tasted some wines that have just been unfathomable in youth. And they're often great on their kind of puppy fat. But they then come really good in old age. A bit like us, David. Uh, uh, <laughs> I good... wonder if we need to put a parental advisory on this podcast. <laughs> I think it's drinking beautifully now. And it will continue to do so for three to five years, but I don't think that will make old bones because it just doesn't have two things that you need to lay down a red wine for a long time. And one is a good framework of tannins and the other is a good heft of acidity, okay. which is a great yeah. preservative. And yeah, the, it doesn't have the tannins, does it? It's, it doesn't have that, but it is a delicious wine. Which is unusual wine. for a Corsican red, but um, I could and will enjoy a couple of glasses of that tonight with some food mm. so that would be for me tonight then jason some some advice on wine pairing then if you please um tonight i am chopping up some roast potatoes and i am adding to them some chorizo yeah you'll be fine with a the corsican then. with a the corsican and a fried egg on the top sounds great um yeah, I, I wish i was um, i wish i was shay chandler and uh, one day one day i'll make it for you it's- funny enough prior to getting quarantined on my way back from france my my auntie in normandy um cooked me a meal of roast potatoes with chorizo but she added artichoke hearts to the mix which um mm. which went well and um we uh accompanied that with some pizza and loop which is a personal favorite and, well, but not wildly good. dissimilar from this, and uh, that worked very well. I can imagine the Peak Saint Loop would hold its own very nicely. Well, um, I look forward to you to being unquarantined. That um, must be imminent. Yeah, that will be in a, a couple of three days' time. I'm not certain if I'm looking forward to being unquarantined, really. I've rather liked it. You've um, got Stockholm Syndrome or... Um, well, it, uh... It's just easy, isn't it? If you just say we're quarantined, then that's just a fantastic get-out, isn't it? For just everything, for the rest of your life, you can if, just you're, say, if you're not feeling social, yeah. quarantine. <laughs> quarantine you know, every single invitation you've ever had that you never want to go to, it's like sorry. Um, yeah, but you could end up be- becoming a bit hermetic. So the the next time 
we get together for a podcast, David, I want it to be live and socially distanced in one of our gardens. All right. Okay. You're on. Good stuff. Well, yeah, all right. Very good to catch up with you. You, uh, you too, Jason. You seem to be coping well, but a regular delivery of some decent wine doesn't half help. Well, that really does help considerably as far as I'm concerned, and I'm very grateful to you for that. I felt that way. I was getting a bit juiced. The, um, the, the, the car personnel was thin, I'm not kidding, uh, until uh, our van rocked up yesterday. And I, I was very pleased to receive these samples along so take care stay safe and um i will if you will cheers see you on the other side of quarantine jason yeah cheers david more adventures in wine at www.yap.co.uk